Welcome to the Ireland-Canada Connection, a podcast series exploring the deep cultural, political and business relationship between Ireland and Canada, brought to you by the Ireland-Canada Business Association. I'm Patrick Hawhey, and in this series, I'm meeting leaders of business, culture and public affairs from both nations to talk about what makes this great relationship tick and to get their insights and advice about how to succeed in business in both nations. On this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Nikolai Malyarov, who is the CEO of Press Reader International and also Press Reader's Chief Content Officer. Press Reader is a Canadian company, a valued member of the ICBA and a multinational with operations in Ireland. Nikolai has so much to say about how the company has been impacted by COVID-19 and how it has reacted. He has very, very valuable nuggets of advice here in terms of how businesses can react in a highly effective and efficient way. We also talk about the future of news and journalism. But Nikolai kicks things off by telling me a bit about Press Reader. Uh, Press Reader is where you you come as a a lover of great content, of a quality trust in content and discover stories that matter to you. It's uh, effectively an all-you-can-read platform where you can read uh, newspapers and magazines and and other content uh, from all around the world, uh, content that really fits your your interests, your passions, your hobbies. Um, But it's all content that we place quite a bit of uh, trust in and we know gets us through the day. Okay, so from a press reader's perspective, who are your customers? Are your customers the magazines or the the people who sort of read the magazines through your platform? Mm. Uh, Our customers are... It's a a great question. Our customers (laughs) is everyone. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Everyone who likes to read. Uh, And... uh, it's it when 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 I say likes to read, it's we don't tell you what you will like to read. We'll we'll just give you the content, and you discover the content that uh, that as I said addresses your your passions and interests. Uh, we're in a very interesting space because we sit at a cross section between the producers of content, you know, the publishers, uh, and the end users, and the end users are the ones who pay directly to us uh, because they, they they want to get uninhibited access to all this great content that we provide. Uh, but also um, customers at the end of the B2B2C relationships. So we've built out a number of distribution verticals with uh, libraries, hotels, airlines, uh, cruise and ferry companies, uh, residential companies, cafes, restaurants, uh, barbershops, you name it, where um, they become, those organizations become sponsors of access to this content. And as as a patron, as a guest, as a passenger, as a client of that business, you have, you then in turn have access to it as well when you, when you're interacting with that business. Yeah, and I guess from the magazine's perspective, this uh, all widens the reach of their content and um, uh, brings more people into the into the pool. Absolutely, and uh, what's important is also that we. Uh, what's important to note is that we started as a uh, as a company that worked primarily with newspapers. In fact, for for a number of years, only with newspapers, uh, save for some of the magazine sections those uh, those newspaper publishers would have produced, say at weekends. Uh, the company was called Newspaper Direct at the time, in fact. Uh, but we've created the product that built out a daily habit, uh, because obviously newspapers are, by and large, daily publications. We've added magazines into the mix uh, roughly about eight or nine years ago, because we wanted to not only diversify the audience that we we're trying to uh, to reach with this content, but also provide 
uh, provide an experience that was built not just on hardcore news and opinions and analyses that you would traditionally find in newspapers, but also something with you know something lighter, something that, as I said, kind of spoke to uh, to you as an individual. I often refer to that we live in the world where we're surrounded by me generations. It's all about my interests, my passions, my likes, my dislikes. And uh, and I and, and as a consumer of press reader, I want to have access to all this content all in one place, without having to to jump through hoops and various paywalls. From you know, if I want to read an article from one magazine yeah. or the other, or even a third newspaper. So you create a more seamless experience for the user, which is which is always a good thing. One of the things I'm I I guess that the COVID nineteen pandemic and and the 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 crisis that has come out of that has led to is that the advertising and the sponsorships that pay for the creation of great journalism and great content have been very heavily impacted. So I would imagine that paywalls and subscription models are going to become even more important for um, a lot of the, the publications in on PressReader. That's a, that's, a, that's a great point. Um, and, and one thing that I would say is that uh, COVID-19 on its own is not... Um, is not the primary crisis that has affected the, the the publishing industry. The publishing industry has been a challenged uh, industry for for a couple of decades now, really. Uh, some of it yeah. was of publishers' own making uh, when they were focusing so much on uh, distributing their content online for free, um, in 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 at expense of uh, user experience in some ways when they were flooding the pages with, with pop-up banners and, and advertising that the end users that have, have ultimately become blind to. But the, um, in, in COVID-19 has really become an existential crisis because what it did, it brought all, of the, all of these challenges, all of these inefficiencies uh, up to the surface. Not all of them are self-made. Some of them are external as well. And you've rightly highlighted the, 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 the trend of drying up of advertising and sponsorship uh, revenue that was becoming in uh, to publishers. Um, it's, it's a, this is a terrible thing. I mean, there is no way uh, to sugarcoat it. And what we will see as a result is that some publishers will not be able to survive through this. And that is, uh, that is, that is, that is bad news. That is bad news for consumers who rely on the content. Um, the challenge that I, I've been advocating for the industry is that we need, need to diversify our revenue sources. Certainly, uh, building out the paywalls, the direct-to-consumer uh, subscription business is an important element, an important pillar of that diversification strategy. That, but that alone shouldn't be the strategy. Uh, it's not going to become the panacea. It's not going to help uh, turn the tide of uh, of uh, where of the revenues that were coming from sponsorship and advertising that's no longer there, largely because they uh, all that revenue that you will build off of the um, direct to consumer uh, subscription business will not offset the uh, mm. the losses that you as a publisher would have experienced from from uh, from sponsorships and advertising simply because the share of advertising revenue that pretty much every publisher uh, would have had was so much bigger uh, in their overalls of P&L in the past that to offset it uh, quickly with a direct-to-consumer business would be almost impossible. 
some publishers will will manage to do it and there are certainly the uh the bluebirds out there that have managed this very well but you also have to look into uh you, you can't generalize the industry and uh we tend to look at all these bluebirds as they as the as as the effective blueprint for others to follow but you can't. Uh, certainly lessons need to be learned, and I would argue that lessons need to be learned from other industries as well. But um, what's important to remember is that um, you can't, uh, you, you have to look at your cost structure at granular detail and see what works for you as a publisher. Who is your consumer? What content you're producing? And if they, in, 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 in any of this transformation, if you if you focus on the ultimate goal, which is, how do I make enough money to continue to produce quality content that people are prepared to pay for? Then you, then you might hit the jackpot at the end. And when we say that people are prepared to pay for, it doesn't mean that those consumers need to be the, necessarily the ones paying it for it directly. It could be through indirect uh, sources as well where somebody else is sponsoring your access to this content. But, yeah. but I would say, and this is an important uh, point, uh, I don't want to leave it out, is that we are huge, we, we're huge advocates of, that, of the fact that content needs to be paid for. We have been advocates of this from day one, ever since we launched our first online product in 2003, uh, at the time of opposition from publishers, who, as I said, wanted for the content online to be free. No, uh, content needs to be paid for. And of course, every industry is now looking at itself and every company is now looking at itself to see, well, do do we need to pivot or do we need to get creative in, in some shape or form to adapt to to where we are now? So turning to your own company then, to Press Reader, what kind of conversations have you been having? What have been some of the kind of the really difficult things over the last few weeks? And maybe are you spotting opportunities as well? Mm, interesting. Uh, there are a couple of, um, I mean, look, from a from from position of our company, we, we 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 met this crisis in an enviable position. Uh, we have a very diversified uh, set of streams of revenue streams. Um, although quite a bit of our revenue was coming from travel-related verticals like hotels, like airlines, like uh, marine segment, uh, we we also had quite a bit of revenue from verticals uh, that are not experiencing the challenges of COVID, or perhaps were. Uh, could adapt easier to uh, to to everything that has happened in the in the past couple of months, and I'm and I'm thinking of libraries specifically. Uh, the let's let's look at these verticals at a bit more granular level. If you look at libraries, uh, libraries have been uh, trying to transform themselves over the past two decades, uh, and. Uh, they, they've struggled. They've struggled through the financial crisis in 08 and 09 uh, in, in, in Ireland and in other countries as well through the, through the Great Recession. And that has really taught them as to what they need to do to reposition themselves, how to become a community hub. Now, obviously, a library today cannot be a physical community hub. That's true. But libraries have invested a lot of money and effort into building out remote access capabilities for various various electronic services. So even though uh, as a library card holder, you can't visit the library today, you can still access the library resources from your home. Now, and and this uh, this has been great. We've had a lot of inquiries from from libraries who are not 
clients of ours uh, who want to get access to PressReader on behalf of their patrons. That's fantastic to see. It has also been a, a, a point of challenge with publishers because publishers who solely focus on building out a direct to consumer subscription business think that uh, libraries in some way cannibalize uh, that potential for them. Where, where When I'm sitting at home as a consumer, I can subscribe to a publication directly myself, or I can get access to that publication and a whole lot more through PressReader and other services through my local library. Um, that's true. Some of the cannibalization is, is possible, but, but libraries also democratize access to content. And I think it's important to remember that uh, journalism's mission is to uh, is to play a pivotal part in, um, in, in the democratic society in getting this quality content out. So uh, we need to find a way of, of working together and coexisting in, in this world. So I think those were some of the more difficult conversations uh, that we've been having with, uh, with publishers. Other industries, uh, you know, in the, in the travel-related uh, sectors, they have been heavily affected by, by COVID. Um, I mean, unprecedented, really. And uh, the the challenging uh, part of the conversation was with those industries as to how do we help to support them through these times. Uh, we were members of the uh, WTCC, World Travel and Tourism Council, uh, a global organization that brings together all the various travel-related uh, companies. Uh, who are focusing on uh, development, on sustainability, uh, on evolution of those of those industries, and uh, the the COVID nineteen crisis has brought those industries to to their knees. Uh, there is no way, uh, other way of putting it. What we've done is to focus on what is our role in supporting those industries through these few difficult months. Yes, they will take uh, many, many months and several years, really, to, to recover from this. But what can we do together now? And what we can do together now is to uh, give access to quality, trusted content through PressReader for their patrons. So something as that, for instance, as a, as a passenger of an airline that you would get on board as part of your uh, flight, that you can now, sitting at home, get access to it as well in preparation for your flight. Yes, you will get back into the sky, maybe not next month, maybe not even uh, until next year. But it, an airline can give you access to this great content now on the ground. So we've built a number of these uh, goodwill campaigns with, uh, with some of our clients. COVID-19, and I'm sorry for the convoluted answer to, to, to the question. No, no, it's very clear. No, there's been clear. So, so much going on uh, in the past couple of months. But COVID-19 has really brought the uh, best of us uh, out to the surface. Um, we, sitting at home and really focusing on what else can we do, has uh, given rise to a lot of new ideas. And uh, in, in looking at where else can we see a use case for a product like PressReader. The product that, again, I, I bring up a point of quality trusted content, uh, but, but, I, but the other part of the product is that it also provides a mean of escapism. Where, you know, if we say that it's not just physical health that's important through, 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 through these times, but also mental health is where you can you need to disconnect from a 24-hour news cycle and and do something that gets your mind off of things press reader has all of it uh, all in one spot where else do we have an application for this product 
we reached out to uh, Care UK, which is the company that oversees management of um, care homes in the UK, 125 of them, in fact. You know that the elderly have been the uh, the worst uh, hit group in our society in every country uh, through through this crisis. Uh, and uh, in, they were hit not just from a health perspective, but also the uh, the lockdown measures that were brought into these care homes, where the um, the these people uh, who would have traditionally had access to various forms of entertainment, collective entertainment in a in a care home, um, lost it all overnight, in in an effort to protect uh, to protect them to prevent the spread of uh, of uh, of the virus. So they're locked in their rooms alone. They can't visit with their families. Um, so we reached out to Carrie Kane and said, "Look, we can give at least access to this great content for for these for these people. Uh, if you, if you're visually impaired in a care home, you can listen to this content. If you uh, if you can read, great. You we we support so many different levels of Zoom on the product that that whatever uh, um, you know whatever the condition you're in." Uh, you can still interact with this product. And the response that we had was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. People really appreciated the fact that we, we could support them through these times and that we provided something, a, a form of entertainment uh, to the residents in these care homes. So now we are rolling out this program elsewhere. Another one that we've done, we supported uh, the, the ships uh, that we've traditionally worked with uh, that have become quarantine zones. Um, at sea with, with passengers sick, with, with crew on board uh, that couldn't leave. And we've provided service to, to this content uh, as well as a form of entertainment and information, not dissimilar to, the, to what we've done with, with hotels and hospitals that have opened up their doors to, to healthcare workers and, uh, and, and patients, and not just patients with COVID. I mean, let's remember that uh, this is not the only infliction that we have in the world, but People people still get sick with other things and uh, and have to go to other places to to get treated because hospitals have been reserved for uh, for treating uh, people with the coronavirus. So, would you say that your your key advice then to companies that might be listening who are who are obviously like all of us impacted by the by COVID nineteen? Would you say your key advice would be to I suppose to sum up. Um, see how you can help the your clients or customers who have been most impacted see get creative about how your product or service can be delivered and can reach new people and thirdly invest in that delivery that's uh that's that and, and i would add probably one more use this time uh wisely to think how you're going to change uh what you do uh you know what is the post-covid world is going to look like for you for you as an organization for you as an industry uh, we work a lot with uh, with hotels, as, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, what we're seeing is this uh, is this thought process that you know what is the new uh, guest experience going to be like. Um, last week, I believe it was last week that that Hilton uh, Hotels uh, partnered with RB, the makers of Dettol, Dettol and uh, Lysol uh, sanitizers, and Mayo Clinic on developing these new protocols for 
for cleanliness in hotels. You know how to reassure the traveling public that when you when you get back on the road, and when you stay in one of the pro, one of these hotels, you're not going to be uh, infected uh, from somebody who may have stayed in your room just a few hours before you have entered it, and where there are still traces of virus on the surface. There's a lot that we're still learning uh, collectively about the virus and how it spreads, but uh, a lot of it can be done to prevent it. So one of those. Um, objectives is to reduce the number of uh, touch points in in your room uh, and and certainly doing it uh, not at expense of a user experience you know we don't want to create a situation where uh, everybody on board of an aircraft or entry into a hotel will be will be uh, will be required to wear a hazmat suit just to be able to fly or to stay there uh, but but certainly a lot of things that can be done and one of those is um, a reduction of printed collateral in the room, elimination of pens, um, you know, uh, uh, allowing the hotel to provide the services uh, that are uh, streamed to your own device as opposed to you touching the remote control and, and playing it off of a TV. Uh, so it, it really... Um, you know, we we can we can use this time uh, wisely in 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 doing some deep soul searching. What is the new world? What is the new normal? As, as it has become a cliche now, uh, going to look like uh, going forward? And and it's not do, it's not all doom and gloom. That's the important thing. And if you look at uh, how we have uh, transitioned as a society post financial crisis, post the Great Re- uh, uh, Recession of 08 and 09. Yeah, I appreciate it's it's a little bit of a different of a comparison, but we have changed the the ways we do we do things. Um and I would say in a lot of ways we have become stronger and more resilient uh, uh from a from an economic perspective. You look at the countries that uh, have doled out all the financial support schemes uh in, in these times. And I don't think if we if we didn't live through the Great Recession, I don't think we would have been able to see the governments supporting individuals at the level that they are providing the support today. The governments have been very clever about building out the rainy day funds for situations like what we're experiencing today. That's the type of a transformational thinking that we need to engage in more more often uh, and more importantly now. Very interesting. And finally, before I let you go, Nikolai, um, Press Reader and its presence in Ireland, um, ha- all going well? And is the future looking bright for Press Reader's continue, continued uh, presence in Ireland? We, um, we love the fact that we, we have our international office in, in Ireland. Um, and uh, a lot of thanks goes to, to IDA Ireland for bringing us in, into the country. Uh, certainly, it's it, it's in recognition of what Ireland is as a, as a, as a nation, as a nation of, uh, of highly uh, highly educated uh, workforce, and and a country that provides uh, support for businesses like ours to to build out and, and thrive. And um, we we look forward to continuing to building out our business out of Ireland. Um, certainly the. As, as a business, we're we're transforming as well, and we'll need to see what what that what shape and form that's going to take. But we we're a fairly young company, uh, you know. In, in Ireland, we we founded our 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 company just about uh, three years ago. Uh, we have traditionally uh, focused 
from from day one on building out the um, the R and D center in 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 our offices in Dublin, uh, focusing on machine learning and AI as the as kind of the primary objective. And we have now entered phase two of our development, which is building out the uh, the international sales force that is supported out of uh, out of our Irish office. Uh, and it's uh, I, I'm looking forward to getting back to Dublin uh, once uh, once we're we're getting through these um, these trying times and seeing what else we can do uh, because there is there is a lot. Um, I, I look forward to to continuing to see that uh, the Irish government, whatever that government is going to be, will continue to support the foreign direct investment. I think it's an important element of uh, development of uh, of the Irish economy. And in, I, I lived, uh, I, w- I was in Dublin during the uh, recent election, which seemed like they, they've happened a few years ago now. And I mm. appreciate that, uh, you know, as of today, we still don't have a, a government, but I, I think we're getting close there. But I was uh, I was comforted by the fact that pretty much every party that was part of the election cycle uh, was supporting the FDI objectives and was supporting what the idea Ireland were, were doing, because I think it's a great thing for the country. I know the, that Ireland will will have a tough time get emerging out of this crisis, uh, but I also uh, I, I also know that the Irish are a very resilient bunch. And uh, I'm excited to see what uh, what the country will look like uh, once everything is uh, is passed and uh, uh, we get back to 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 the brighter days. Well, here, here, Nikolai Malyarov, CEO of Press Reader International and also its chief content officer. Thank you very much for joining us here uh, today on the podcast. Thanks very much, Patrick. Appreciate it. And thanks to Nikolai Malyarov for joining me here on the Ireland-Canada Connection. And thank you for listening to the show. And make sure you tune in for the next episode where I will be meeting Kevin Elliott, who's the Senior Vice President at Bank of Ireland Corporate and Treasury. In his current role and previously with the IDA, Kevin has helped many companies across Canada and the US to set up operations in Ireland and grow their businesses. He will be giving us his top tips for making that move as successful as possible. Now, the mission of the Ireland-Canada Business Association is to connect, communicate and influence Irish-Canadian stakeholders on behalf of its membership, which has now grown to over 100 companies. To find out more about the ICBA and how it can help you, check out irelandcanada.com. And until the next episode, take care.